Welcome to The Picklist, the podcast for curious food industry minds. I'm Julia Glotz, a writer, editor, and consultant specializing in food and drink. Every week, I'm joined by an expert guest to discuss the news, trends, and developments shaping food and grocery retail right now. You'll get a personal perspective on how business leaders and leading thinkers from different parts of our industry are making sense of the big issues. My guests will also share what's on their personal reading list, bringing you a curated selection of thought-provoking articles from the trade press, national media, and other titles. You can find links to all the articles and suggestions for further reading in the episode show notes and also on thepicklist.co.uk. Now let's start the show. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of The Pick List. I hope you're having a good week. My guest this week is Hannah McCollum, founder of Chickpea, which is a brand of hummus and veggie bites. Hannah has a really interesting story. She used to work in the catering and events industry as a private chef and was basically appalled at the levels of food waste she saw. She talks to me about how this experience inspired her to create Chickpea what she thinks about the best ways to encourage consumers to waste less food, as well as the challenges of creating change and making your voice heard on food waste and sustainable packaging when you are a small brand. So that's coming up in a moment, but first let me bring you up to speed with some of the big food and grocery retail stories this week. Amazon is now officially considered a grocery retailer in the UK, The Competition and Markets Authority announced this week it was designating Amazon as a grocer, which means the tech giant now also needs to adhere to the Groceries Supply Code of Practice, which regulates relationships between major retailers and suppliers. Asda has committed to making its cheapest food items more widely available following a campaign by Jack Monroe. Monroe's campaign highlighted that some basic food items were not consistently available in all stores. Asda said it was taking steps to make its full smart price and farm stores value ranges available in-store and online to ensure as many people as possible have access to them. The UK organic market is now worth more than £3 billion, according to the latest Soil Association Certification Market Report. Sales were up 5% in 2021, marking 10 years of consecutive growth. NPD was a particularly strong driver of growth, the report said, with more than 4,000 organic innovations registered in 2021. Jo Whitfield, the CEO of Co-op Food, has said she is taking a four-month career break to help her sons prepare for their exams. PepsiCo has announced it's pulling the plug on its crisp packet recycling scheme for walkers, which is run in partnership with TerraCycle. The scheme was launched in 2018 when there were few recycling options available for crisp packets, but PepsiCo said recycling for flexible plastics had become easier since then. The scheme will end in August. Jeremy Clarkson has backed farmers in their opposition to plans by Oxfordshire County Council to only serve vegan food at council meetings. The plans are part of the council's efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and become more sustainable, but farmers have said people should be given a choice of what they eat at meetings and pointed out that UK farming was making great progress in becoming more sustainable. And finally, potato milk has now gone on sale in Waitrose. The dairy alternative, which is sold under the Doug brand, rolled out into stores this week. 
These are some of the big stories in food and grocery retail this week. You can find links to everything I mentioned in the show notes and on thepicklist.co.uk. And now, here's my conversation with Hannah McCollum. Hannah, welcome to The Picklist. Thank you for being my guest. Oh, thank you very much. It's lovely to be on here. Very exciting. You are founder of Chickpea, which is a brand of hummus and veggie bites made with surplus vegetables. Now, we're having a real theme around sustainability and food waste on the podcast at the moment. We had Rich Clothier from Wyke Farms talking about carbon neutral cheddar a couple of weeks ago. Last week, I chatted to Jack Scott from Dash, um, a brand that's also very much involved in, in fighting food waste. So I'm super excited that I'm able to continue the conversation with you this week. Um, And I think it's probably a good reflection of where we are within grocery retail at the moment. So many conversations happening around sustainability and waste. Um, And I think you do some really interesting work with your brand. And I'm really excited to ask you lots of questions about that. Let's just start with the basics. Tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and how you ended up founding a hummus brand that fights feed waste. Oh, thank you. So I I started Chickpea in 2016. Um, I was a private chef before then, as well as working in a kind of London office and uh, the chefing was very much part time. Um, And I still do carry on doing my chefing here and there because I love it. Um, But I started Chickpea because I was witnessing so much food going to waste uh, at events and catering jobs that I was doing as well as um well sort of on my private chef jobs I didn't really have as much waste for any waste that was happening I was always turning into leftover well turning into dips and hummus and quite quickly got a reputation for Hannah what's the dip of the day um because I didn't want to waste any food but I also didn't want to put out the same dishes the next day so being creative um, was, well, is one of my favorite things to do when cooking is trying out new things from what I've already got. So um, that was very much the kind of sideline, but it was, it was really the events that I was just witnessing, you know, tons of meat and fish and dairy just being put in the bin day after day, even if the same dishes were being asked to be put out the next day of the, the next day event. Um, and that really got to me. And I, I couldn't understand why anyone thought that that was acceptable or why no one was trying to do anything about it. And there was never anybody working on the sustainability side in at these events. It was just not thought about beforehand. So food waste, well, there was nothing that anybody had planned to do with it. Um, and that was the same sometimes with recycling and packaging, especially if you're on site and not um, at where the, the location where all the food is produced no one had there just wasn't job roles for those those areas so I was always the one questioning everyone and trying to get staff to be able to take it home um causing a bit of carnage really because people were <laughs> quite annoyed with me um and I had to leave the events industry because it I was genuinely going home upset and it was just not enjoyable anymore so I guess I just wanted to raise awareness around the problem um, and and create a business where I could try and do something about it while also educating consumers as well as others in the industry about um, food waste, how to live more sustainably, how to work more sustainably, and how can we how can we can also eat more plant based foods, um, which was a big part of it as well as creating hummus um, because hummus is hugely versatile, but it's also so delicious. 
and in you know people everybody loves it and it's a plant-based food so why not try and encourage people to eat more plant-based foods and reduce their meat and fish intake at the same time I'm so interested in what you were saying about your experience uh, working in the events industry. I'd love to just delve into that in a little bit more detail. What do you think was the sort of underlying problem or dysfunction within that sector that caused so much waste? Because you you said on one level, people it just wasn't even on the radar. There were no people who were responsible for for waste reduction in in many cases. Is that the primary reason? Is there just is it just not anyone's sort of personal problem, or what is driving that level of waste? Definitely the fact that there was nobody um, in that role who was going to be dealing with the waste, and secondly, nobody ever wants to let down their customer by not having enough food, um, so they always produce more than enough, um, which is one of the key problems, and also health and safety. Um, so even if there was some sort of food that was left and they could use it the next day, health and safety is um, one of the top priorities where if something went wrong or if somebody saw somebody putting out that food when it wasn't supposed to be out, um, then that person gets fired or or the company gets sued. And so the risk is always um far too much that they'll throw all the food away just in case yeah and that I witnessed most of the time which which I found fascinating because um the the actual cost as well involved in the amount of food being wasted over that risk of health and safety was you know amazing which some people would find um highly important and and that they should definitely throw that food away but for me I was the opposite yeah, and it's it's so interesting, isn't it? Because you do understand on the one hand that, of course, companies are risk averse. And as you say, health and safety has to has to be a priority. Um, but there are clearly ways around that. There are ways to to kind of reconcile a concern with food safety and yet also be very focused on, on minimizing waste. Now that you're sort of a little bit, you, you know, further away from that sector, you say you, you do still do some private chefing, but is your sense that that's changed that the events industry is much more aware now of food waste reduction I think definitely in the last five six years so since when I started I've definitely seen many more people aware about well aware of food waste I don't know whether there are roles around um, actually having somebody deal with the food waste I think that's highly unlikely because that's a a huge you know cost addition Um, but I still think that the recycling and the packaging waste front is is really still a massive problem because I don't think people care quite enough and it takes quite a lot of time and effort to organize uh waste waste collections and that and that's the same with the food the food as well um and the food safety uh rules haven't changed so mm. um I do think it's still a big problem um, and I, it goes it goes on behind the scenes and people just don't see it happening. But more recently, there have been a few events that I've, I've seen it happen again and I, I'm afraid I have to turn a blind eye. Um, but it's a real shame that staff can't take it back with them. I think that's one you know huge area where staff are working on not huge wages and the one thing that they could be told to do is bring bring Tupperwares because there will be food waste. Yeah. And it's a bonus to be able to take good food home at the end of the day rather than they all have to leave for work and go and buy and cook more food when it's all been in front of them. 
Um, and some events also cater for only their guests and then cater different food for the staff when yet there's still surplus food of the really nice food and they're having to cook more. I mean, it's, it's madness. <laughs> why, why do you think that is? Is there just a concern that if you allow staff to take food, they'll, they'll eat all the guests' food and nothing will be left? Or, or what's the concern there, do you think? I think it's health and safety again. Mm. Um, if, if the staff take the food out of the premises and then one of them complains that they've been ill, right. uh, the company is held responsible. God, it's it's a minefield, isn't it? And we actually, we we will of course get a chance to dive into food waste, but also packaging waste in a little bit more detail when we come on to the articles that you have picked. But just want to bring things back a little bit to Chickpea, your brand. Just give us a bit of a sense of how big the range is now and where you are listed. Oh, thank you. So we have uh, four flavors of hummus live on the shelf, uh, which include beetroot and horseradish hummus, which is our bestseller by quite a long way, which I find really interesting. Um, we have carrot, ginger and turmeric, spinach and parsley, and then a super smooth velvet hummus, plus two veggie bites, which are sweet potato and rosemary, and then beetroot and apple. Um, they are all listed on a cardo uh, in Whole Foods, Planet Organic, just our hummus, um, co-op, various co-ops, so co-op mid-counties, co-op central England, hopefully a few more in the pipeline. They, they've got our hummus as well. Um, Dalesford, independence across the country. We then supply a number of outlets such as Notes Coffee in London. They have all our beetroot hummus. Sea Press is a more recent cafe with our hummus and falafel. Um, Amazon Fresh, Selfridges. I think that's about it. <laughs> that, that's a long, that's a long list. One thing that really intrigued me actually when I had a look at your website, because as you say, you've you're very well distributed in retail, but you've also really focused on rapid delivery, and you've managed to get the the brand listed with with some of the rapid delivery um, suppliers or operators. Tell tell me a little bit about that. Why is that a, an opportunity that you're particularly keen to explore with your brand? Yeah, that's a new one, and I totally forgot about them. Um, I think they're just a growing, a new growing area in retail, and it, it's fascinating to see how quickly um, these rapid delivery companies have come about. There was one or two, and suddenly um, there's now six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, um, and they, um, one of them is a plant-based uh, food one, which I want to certainly support so that was an easy one to go for and they approached us and we've got a really nice relationship with them so and i yeah very keen to see where the opportunity goes with that then the other ones are with our main london wholesaler so it works very well so um and and they're growing quite rapidly and they have advertisements all over london so it's a great opportunity for us yeah absolutely and i think Actually, quite a few of these operators are really interested in listing challenger brands, you know, bringing in that sort of diversity of offering as well by having sort of slightly more niche and interesting brands. So it feels like it's a it's quite a good opportunity for challenger brands to get involved with as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's nice that they're giving us that opportunity as well. But it's also, uh, I think, beneficial for them because a lot of their customers are people based in you know, cities where they want to support local brands and they want the, that kind of smaller, sustainable offering, more unique, differentiated. Um, yeah. 
Totally. The other thing that intrigued me um, ab about your business and, and what you do is that there is a consultancy side to the business. You do also do consultancy work um, with with brands where you're sort of helping them hone their sustainability messaging and and help on on communications. Um, so I'm I'm really interested in 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 that side of things as well. What do you find without sort of talking about any specific clients or work that you've done? When you come into other brands and other businesses and you work with them on that, what are some of the big challenges that they that you typically encounter? What's getting in the way of, of telling that sustainability story? Um, so it's interesting because this is a very much little side hustle where I I added it to the business because I was receiving so many emails from uh, people who were wanting to start up a sustainable brand. Um, some of them didn't know what they wanted to do, uh, or some of them wanted to go into food, but they had no idea what they wanted to do in food, but they wanted a sustainable aspect. Some of the, a lot of people were wanting to use different types of wonky food and, um, and so were asking my advice. And I was also going into a lot of companies like Facebook, WeWork, Google, doing offices basically with catering where I was seeing what was going on behind the scenes and really wanted to advise them on their food waste and their packaging and their sustainability. And I was talking to chefs or um, the office managers who were in charge of the catering and doing this behind the scenes was actually taking up a lot of my time, but I was really passionate to make a change. And so the consulting would naturally came about through helping brands who were reaching out to me and then helping um, companies just by basically being nosy and trying to make the world a better place um, and for them to stop using disposable packaging for on a daily basis three times and three times a day for 100,000 people in office is absolutely crazy um, so that's yeah that's why that's why I do it and I would say the challenges are when people come to me not knowing what they want to do um, and just asking or, or just asking where they can get this or that. And I try and get them to really think a bit outside the box because that's what I had to do at the beginning. And it takes a lot of work reaching out to so many people. And so it's getting them to be gung-ho about it and really finding their passion and then and trying to make a difference rather than just getting answers from other people and then not necessarily knowing what they want to do with their project. All right, let's get our teeth into your articles. And the first one, um, no surprise here, is about food waste, something you're really passionate about. This is an article from The Guardian, and the headline says, food waste, are you throwing your money in the bin? And just for a little bit of context for listeners, so this is article appeared in the consumer affairs section of The Guardian, and it provides some advice and tips and tricks for how people can save money by wasting less. Very topical, of course, given the conversation around inflation and the cost of living crisis at the moment. And RAP, based on their latest figures, estimates that the average UK family could save £730 a year if they stopped throwing away food. So there's a lot of money to be saved potentially. And the tips that are featured here include checking your fridge is at the correct temperature so food doesn't go off prematurely, how to read date labels, um, and also some help on how to plan your meals and how to plan your shopping. Because a survey by Sainsbury's revealed lots of people say they end up wasting food because they don't know what to cook or how to prepare properly. 
Hannah, what made you pick this article? What stood out to you? Um, this one's important because it's it's relevant to everybody and everybody seems to have a problem with uh, food waste in their kitchens and one of the biggest contributors to food waste in this country, uh, probably all over the world, is household food waste. So um, I think it's very important that we all start making more of a difference ourselves and and not thinking that uh, one pint of milk in the bin is not going to make a difference because it's only one pint of milk in my kitchen. But if you times that by every household and just picture that in your head of where that's going in in a huge, I don't know, land landfill site, that is astronomical on a daily basis. Um, and I, I hear it from friends a lot. Oh, well, it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, it's only one pack of ham or whatever. Well, it does because of that, because everybody's thinking the same. So it's changing that mentality, which I think is just so important. And also understanding and rejigging our mentality on why it's important and, and how much it actually really does matter and making food waste the most uncool thing out there um, and making, uh, well, asking in a restaurant, can I take uh, my the rest of my plate in a doggy bag home? The coolest thing, because... It is also really cool to go home and have some of your restaurant food for the next day. Like, great, I don't have to cook again. Um, so, yes, I think changing people's mindsets on food waste at home is is the most important thing we can do. Do you have a view on what type of messaging is most motivating for people? Is it sort of spelling out how much money you could be saving or do you think it's it's the more kind of carbon and sustainability focused stuff? I think the money, the money thing is going to definitely um, encourage most people to think about it more. I just people don't want to think that they're throwing money down the drain, do they? So that's probably the primary message. Um, and actually, I, I don't, well, I don't think of it like that because I don't waste any food. But definitely, if people realise how much food they're wasting, especially when everyone is so um, careful about every penny they spend when they're in the shop, you know, if, if a hummus is £2.59 and one's £2.49, people pick up the £2.49. So to then, and then I hear people saying, oh, well, I only finish half the pot and I chuck it away. I think once it's in your fridge, you sometimes forget about the money aspect. You know, you've spent it and, and you've forgotten. Um, so if there was more marketing advertising around uh, how much money you could save and maybe what else you could spend it on, that would encourage people to definitely uh plan and look into their fridge more carefully um and use up what they have before they chuck stuff in the bin which probably isn't even off anyway <laughs> yeah absolutely and you already said you do have some sort of um advice and, and tips for for how to um make sure that that people don't waste food at home what are your sort of three top tips for avoiding food waste I would say always look in your fridge and your cupboards first and try and create a meal from what you've got before you go to the shops because it's much more fun and creative and, and satisfying using different ingredients that you might not otherwise put together um, from what you've got, which is also going to save you money and, and time and effort by going to the shops again um, and using yeah doing that and creating a new recipe and surprising yourself by how delicious something you know you can make from from what you've got so that's number one um do that before going to the shops um two is as as the article says like 
planning and looking at your fridge and seeing what you've got and putting what is going to go to what is supposedly what's going to go off first at the front in your peripheral vision so Mm. you know what needs eating first and just organizing your fridge in that way because a lot of people say that they didn't notice that the salad at the back was even in the fridge so it's trying to remember what you've got and and being organized and thirdly um maybe even having a little chart or um something written down which gives you an idea on what you're spending so that you're slightly budgeting and then that helps you to think about what you should also be spending and and holding back on going all out again in the shops and then um and then yeah coming back and having the same problem of wasting food but also freezing and and baking and blending those three things are all things that I do all the time to make sure that I'm actually kind of almost refreshing my food so something that looks like it's about to be off well I'll quickly roast it and then blend it and I've made a another dip when actually if I'd eaten it um raw if it was a vegetable that I could be eaten raw it might not have been as nice and it could have almost tasted off but actually you can give food another life by cooking it in a different way Totally. I mean, of course, you are, you know, your background is, is, is as a chef, so you have that confidence and you have the skills as well. Because I thought it was interesting what came through from that Sainsbury's survey is that, you know, those cooking skills aren't always there. And actually, you know, people people don't realise that they could potentially, as you say, give give their food, food another lease of life. So it always it also comes back to just making sure um, we invest in, in education around food and, and we, we help people acquire the skills they need to make the, the most out of the money they've spent on food already. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And I, I understand that a lot of people lack confidence and lack creativity because it's just not their thing. And that's and that's hard. And I understand it must be hard. And that's why some people follow a recipe religiously and others like myself look at it for a bit of inspiration, put it away and then do my own thing around it. So, but I think what's so amazing now is that there's so many resources from, you know, Mob Kitchen, Google, you just type in one ingredient into Google or Pinterest and so many options come out, um, come up. And I think that's really inspiring and that should give people the confidence because even if you are following a recipe, there's still another recipe that's going to be similar. So if yours doesn't turn out just like the one you saw, it doesn't matter like make it slightly your own and it's getting people to have that confidence to think that even if it's not just what the recipe they're following is about they've got other options to make it their own totally i'm also really encouraged by some of the new meal planning apps um that are on the market including some that have um, partnered with some major retailers I'm thinking something like sorted for instance where there's very much uh, a focus on recipe inspiration but also the idea that you're planning for say three recipes in a in a row and you're planning to make the most of all ingredients so it's not just asking you to kind of pick out an individual recipe and then you realize oh god you only used half a bag of rocket or you you know bought some cheese and now you're not going to make use of it but it's sort of trying to help you maximize the ingredients across several um, recipes I feel like that I mean just thinking about my own uh, often quite terrible planning in the kitchen I think having using technology leveraging technology to make some of that planning job just a little bit easier on people feels like a, a step in the right direction 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know nearly enough about those, but um, yeah, so, it sounds like a great plan to help people. Brilliant. Now, your second article brings us on to uh, another issue that you've already flagged up a little earlier, which is plastic waste, plastic packaging waste. The piece you picked is from Waste360, and the headline says, Corporations' ambitions to curb plastic versus what they are actually doing. Very intriguing headline. Um, and it's it's sort of discussing the findings of a new report by uh, Ubuntu, which is an environmental services provider. And the report basically looks at the various plastic commitments made by major FMCG suppliers. There's lots of really interesting nuggets um, in in that report, but the top line is that companies are not commissioned uh, are not committing to ambitious enough goals in many cases, and there are some question marks around how robust some of the goals are. From your background and what you have seen around plastic packaging waste, what about this report caught your eye? What stood out to you? I just found it very interesting because it did focus on those larger companies and what they're doing. And from my experience, I'm, I'm still kind of waiting. I'm, we're a smaller fish in a big pond uh, in terms of uh, our company, but also within my manufacturing facility. And <clears throat> for the last few years, I've, I've been pushing my manufacturer and other you know, plastic companies saying, what's, what's out there? Have you got a more sustainable option? I get emails all the time from packaging companies saying, oh you know I see you use these plastic pots what about ours do you can you are you interested in this and I said well do you have a more sustainable option than we already have and I either don't get a reply or they're kind of working on it and so um you know my manufacturer is absolutely brilliant and more recently we've actually got a team who are working on more sustainable packaging which is so exciting but even for them we're all waiting for these large corporations who are the plastic producers to offer something more sustainable um, and there are some amazing green packaging companies on a slightly smaller scale where it's just not possible for us to use because it's for our entire manufacturing facility for example we would have to order vast quantities and and at a, a smaller price in a, for us to enable it to happen so I saw this article and I was like, this is what people need to know. And I think a lot of people realize is that it's the larger corporations who need to lead by example and 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 get this innovation going ahead of everybody else because they're the big suppliers and they know that it's one of the most important things. And they know that if they find a solution, all their customers are going to buy from them. So it's such an obvious answer. And we're all sitting there kind of twiddling our thumbs but like waiting patiently for for this I guess these breakthrough packaging companies and there are lots of things going on at the moment there's so much research and development and it says in the article at the end there's a lot going on and so when when the next a new more sustainable option comes along it's going to be brilliant but it does need to be made affordable for everyone and that's why the large corporations need to do it because they're going to be able to do it at scale which is going to make um the economy to scale basically obvious for us to to be able to buy it and use it yeah that i i can absolutely see that and also i find when i have conversations around um sort of more sustainable packaging options uh, 
as you say, there's so much work going on and so many people are developing really potentially exciting technologies and, and packaging solutions. But actually, there's almost too much innovation for people to really kind of go, okay, well, actually, what's being backed and what is going to be scalable? Because as you say, you yeah. do need that scale if if you want to make it affordable to to the wider market. Yeah, exactly. And and the other thing is reusing and and refilling and so uh ideally in a in an ideal world is that we want all our pots to be taken back to the manufacturers and reused or recycled to then be produced again into another pot so that it's got that circular economy and there is recycled plastic out there and uh being turned into pots which is great but we're still not seeing it um as much as we'd like so i that i hope is for me, the solution is having that circular economy recycle plastic. And there are quite a few retailers now that have trialed at least um, packaging free options as well. Is that yeah. something that, that you've looked at? Would that work on hummus? Um, or is that too too messy and too complicated from a health and safety point of view? I think the retailers, if it's the retailers we're supplying, are the ones who would say maybe yes, but they're definitely looking at it. And there are certain stores around the country that are now doing this packaging free. It's certainly easier to start with ambient uh, mm. where there's no refrigeration required. But, you know, if you go into Whole Foods, there's the delis, counters, and there is definitely hummus and you can buy it. So I, I really hope that the next stage is that you are allowed to bring your um Tupperwares or reused hummus pots and and be able to refill them and I definitely don't think it's too messy. Um, there will be you know, quality temperature controls out there, and um, it's certainly a solution which is probably easier than we really think. It just needs to start and 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 be tested. Now the final article is one I picked and it's from Wired and the headline says global supply chains must get smart and sustainable. It's um, basically an opinion piece that reflects on the link between efficiency and sustainability, because we've talked quite a bit about um, the role consumers and households play in avoiding and preventing waste. But of course, there is that supply chain piece as well. Um, mm. And if we want to be more sustainable, not just from a food waste point of view, but generally, then uh, companies do need to look out for efficiencies and find opportunities to cut waste. Um, and what the article sort of sets out is um, essentially that one of the reasons so much food is wasted or there's, there's so many inefficiencies in supply chains is because the processes and the systems that operate within manufacturers and retailers and producers are just not necessarily as integrated as they could be. They are often developed or installed piecemeal um, they've been maybe commissioned in isolation they haven't been optimized to really uh, work together and there's a reference to an interesting report by the world economic forum which uh, basically found that eight global supply chain efficiency inefficiencies account for more than 50 percent of all carbon emissions so figuring out where those inefficiencies are and uh, and doing something about them uh, potentially unlocks um, all sorts of sustainability gains um, and I was really keen to get your take on that sort of supply chain uh, behind the scenes piece um, mm. because you've already talked about just some of the sort of stuff that's happening within companies, whether it's events companies or it's big employers. 
there's the sort of hidden inefficiencies and and systems that are perhaps not quite working as well as they uh, as they could do. What do you think would help to just weed out some of those inefficiencies in supply chains to help ensure that waste doesn't happen in the first place? Yeah, it's 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 a really good uh, article and, and question because it is a, it's a massive problem and I've witnessed it in in certain areas, but obviously I'm not behind the scenes all the time with those distribution companies and I'm not the ones ordering at scale um, for chilled products uh, for supermarkets, but um, I do understand it and I've seen I've seen waste happen um, with wholesalers who have uh, ordered and then there's it's just human error a lot of the time as well as um, in the ordering, in placing orders for the wrong amounts or the wrong day. And then the wholesaler doesn't rock up on the right day. So then it's another day delayed and then they go to the wrong place and or the refrigeration breaks. And there's all these really small errors all the time that are adding adding to this food waste. And I I do probably think that uh, the distribution in terms of um, how and how quickly it's delivered and and then the errors and when they've taken something to a customer and it actually it's the wrong order and do they then take it back or does it just get um, wasted as, uh, you know, wasted stock? Um, and then if you're thinking about these problems happening on a daily basis and, and it's sometimes at a really large scale, um, this is where... The, the food waste problem is just really adding to the global carbon emissions. But I think a lot of tech companies are being developed to really help with the efficiency of these ordering processes and, and the distribution. And one, one company we're, we're actually uh, just jumping on board with now is for us to work out how to be more efficient with our sample drop-offs and everything's on a platform and it's like where we've delivered for... Um, independent orders where we deliver samples who we need to chase up on where vehicles are and it's seeing this all on one platform is unbelievably helpful and hugely efficient and before that you're just tracking tracking things on excel spreadsheets and it's the same with manufacturers or distributors just having excel sheets but maybe not knowing where their vans are uh who's collected what from where um so i think tech is probably one of the best solutions uh to help with this with these kind of yeah crazy um problems really now we're nearly out of time but just give us a little bit of a sense of what your priorities are for your brand in 2022 what's on the agenda what can we expect from you what are you working towards so we've got a really exciting new brand launch this month um so new branding uh, which is a nice kind of new look after five years of having the same, it's time to rebrand. Um, and a slightly new, new strategy focusing more on the functionality of the ingredients. Um, and while we focus on that, uh, hoping to really grow our volumes so that we can then work with a few customers on potentially using surplus chickpeas, um, potentially a new product with that. And also with growth of volume, we then are able to work with certain suppliers where we can, I, my aim is to work with certain farmers uh, in the UK, but at this stage and directly um, rather than through wholesalers, 
but at this we're in this middle stage now where um, we have to work with certain suppliers that are also accredited with our manufacturer. So um, the more pots we sell, um, with the help of everybody hopefully listening, um, we can grow our volume to then it makes more sense to work directly with someone uh, with a farmer because then uh, it's more efficient. But at this stage, you need to have larger quantities in order to basically make those distribution costs efficient. So I'm really intrigued by what you were saying about the new packaging and the new branding. So you're changing the focus away from surplus veg to talk a little bit more about the functionality. What's prompted that? So a few reasons, really. Um, We've done some research uh, with consumers and definitely one of the primary um, reasons for, for buying products people look for is health so we want to explain more about the functionality and and how people can eat a healthier diet but also as uh, as we've grown and with the manufacturers we work with we have to have brc which is a health and safety accreditation and it's the top health and safety accreditation you need to supply uh the major retailers such as sainsbury and waitress and um brc means that you can also only bring in uh, ingredients into your manufacturing facility that have BRC. So a lot of farmers in the UK do not have BRC accreditation because it's expensive, it's highly time consuming, and they don't feel the need to to acquire this accreditation um, when they feel that their farms are very clean and run efficiently and very yeah health and safety clear. So. Um, that has stopped us from being able to work with some of the farmers that we want to work with directly. And so therefore, if I can increase the volume of, of our hummus by acquiring new customers, we can then get past that barrier of having to work with certain BRC suppliers. Fantastic. Hannah, best of luck in, in doing that. And thank you so much for being my guest. If listeners um, want to find out a little bit more about what you do um, and connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, our Instagram is at chickpea food. And just to make sure you know how to spell chickpea, it's C-H-I-C. So chic and then a capital P, um, just the letter P, food. And also very happy for anybody to email me questions, which is hannah at chickpea.co.uk. Um, I'm mostly quite responsive uh, on email so yeah that that's uh, another way to contact fantastic hannah thank you so much for coming on the show thank you for having me thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed the conversation and found it useful if you did please consider giving the pick list a five star rating on whichever platform you're listening and leave a review it tells me you're enjoying the show and would like it to continue and it helps me reach more listeners if you'd like to connect you can find me on linkedin at juliaglotz.com and on thepicklist.co.uk. And if you'd like more thought-provoking reads for your personal reading list, please subscribe to The Trim, my free weekly newsletter at juliaglotz.com forward slash newsletter. See you next time.